Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Maroos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. Our expectations of what a bank is and how we engage with financial services has changed immensely over the past several years. And that change will only happen faster in the future. It's indisputable that technology has been the driving force behind this change. As the industry gets ready for Money 2020 in Amsterdam, it's good to assess how technology such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, the blockchain, cloud computing, Internet of Things, robotics, and biometrics are reshaping banking as it is today, enhancing customer experiences, and paving the way for new business models. I'm excited to have John Jagnan, General Manager of Financial Services and IBM Distinguished Engineer from IBM Technologies on the Bank and Transform podcast. We'll be discussing how new technologies will be impacting the future of banking and how banks must become more future ready. Innovation and business-led transformation is critical for the future growth of banks and credit unions worldwide. To remain competitive and relevant, every bank must embrace disruption and strategically build a better digital ecosystem, not a bigger bank, for modern technologies. But technologies by themselves will not make banking future-ready. Leadership must also transform their legacy thinking to capture the potential value of modernization. So, John, before we get started, can you share a little bit about yourself and your role at IBM Technology, as well as how IBM works with banks and financial institutions worldwide today? Thank you so much, Jim, and I'm delighted to be with you. Um, I'm the general manager of the financial services industry in IBM Technology, And I'm a general manager who also happens to be an IBM Distinguished Engineer with a long history as a technologist in IBM and prior to that working in financial services. Um, My role in IBM is to ensure great alignment between the products and capabilities that IBM offers and the needs of our clients. And I'm relentless in pursuing that alignment and helping our clients be successful with IBM technology. You know, it's interesting, John, you know, I go way back in banking, way too far back, but IBM's always been there. And it's interesting to me how IBM continually evolves as an organization become and stay relevant, not just in financial services, but beyond financial services. Within IBM, and you, you've been with the firm for quite a while, how is that possible? How does IBM stay relevant to the banking industry, especially as you look at the technologies that are involved? Well, I think we walk in our clients' shoes. We have a very long history of partnerships with our clients. Some of them extend over 100 years. You know, you'd be amazed to know. We know financial services extremely well. We live and breathe it. That's our mission, selling the best technology that's relevant to our clients. And so we ground our portfolio in the capabilities that enterprise clients, regulated enterprise clients need, such as IBM infrastructure, especially our Z16 platform, the mainframe. The new Z16, which is over 50 years old now. Uh, No, (laughs) correction. (laughs) The Z platform is over 50 years old. The latest incarnation, Z16, is ready for AI with the new Telem chip, providing on-chip AI acceleration. It's the only platform with out-of-the-box quantum-safe encryption. 
a major cybersecurity risk advantage that regulated clients, especially banks, financial services, insurance company need. And the Z platform's also ready for hybrid cloud with OpenShift running on the platform, enabling those APIs and microservices to run right next to those transactions that have been running for years. So what looks like uh, a platform that's been around for a very long time is actually the most modern technology. Alongside that's our software portfolio, and that's extremely relevant for IBM's financial services clients. Rock solid capabilities around data and AI, business automation, integration, network automation, and security. They run anywhere in any cloud service or on-prem, and they're offered as a service. So despite an incredibly long heritage of working in the industry, our offerings are some of the most modern and most innovative. You know, it's interesting because while this sounds kind of like an IBM commercial, the reality is IBM is really unique in the marketplace that they are always on the cutting edge of what's happening. So while banking is playing as an industry more of a catch-up role, you know, IBM not only provides the the, the massive core technologies, but also the, the what I'm going to call the mini technologies that will enable organizations to really make change happen at speed and at scale for the little solutions that are integrated within within their own core. So as banks and fintech firms and large tech firms descend upon Amsterdam, what key topics do you expect will dominate the conversation on the convention floor? Well, we're all excited about being in Amsterdam for Money 2020. It should be a really terrific event. Um, I think Money 2020 is really interesting because of the way it gathers such a broad ecosystem of industry participants and then it, it's, it gathers them together and it really emphasizes innovation. I love that about Money 2020. There's a couple of broad themes that I think will be top of mind this year. Not only from a US focus, but also the global lens, there's a massive focus on the economic conditions. Yeah. They're tightening. Um, and you know, along that, alongside those uh, economic conditions, there are all the risks in the system right now. Certainly, for the small and mid-sized institutions, we're seeing that happening, uh, and it's so concerning to watch. That's driving new risk posture in the industry, and it's also going to drive further industry consolidation. I see a further emphasis on the establishment of industry platforms and standards. Platforms and ecosystems are just so valuable in the way that they incorporate or bring banking services directly into industries or other industries' business processes. So we can think about any industry where payment or money moves uh, and how the bank is no longer separate from those business processes, but directly incorporated them into them via APIs and the platform-based ecosystems. All of those services are fueled by hybrid cloud technologies. And last and not least by a long way, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some length, you, you like all of us, see the news and the world is a buzz with AI and generative AI. That's super exciting. Yeah. It's a topic in every single boardroom and beyond. And I fully expect AI to be a starring role in Amsterdam at Money 2020. You know, it's interesting, John, because as I look at my, going to Amsterdam and being part of the partnership with IBM at the event, it's really interesting because we have greater opportunities and in many ways, greater risks than ever before at a time 
when economic uncertainty and risk really play a role in saying how far do organizations or how far can organizations go? You know, while organizations are looking at their investments, they really have to prioritize. And at the same time, they have the fear of missing out on new technologies, as you mentioned, generative AI being one. What should be on the top of the priority list for financial institutions in 2023? And I know all of them are at different points in the digital transformation, you know, overall landscape, but but overall as a bank or as a financial institution, what do they make sure, what do they have to prioritize to make sure they've got right right now? So I think um, this is a precursor te- to a technology conversation, but I'd say that in order to be successful, two things are important right now. One, laser focused on ROI, right? There's all kinds of programs that happen for technology's sake can't do that under these constrained under this constrained situation so you've got to be laser focused on the why um am i am i generating new business am i taking out expense um and equally the other giant aspect here is stakeholder alignment inside these firms um we see so much trouble and angst in the system when clients don't have the alignment of state senior stakeholders around the core mission. Um, and so that's a massive issue. Um, and there are many new techniques emerging around how these firms do product management and how they run technology programs. And certainly hybrid cloud is there to help that. Um, but it's being laser focused on the why and ensuring that modernization is done, for example, for, to drive a real business outcome rather than some arbitrary outcome. You know, it's interesting, John, through the years, until relatively recently in history, the ROI question was really about how do you take expenses out? But we're seeing yes. more and more organizations realizing that's about bringing revenues in. It's about doing things differently and building new business models that really look at revenue opportunities that may be even outside the organization, which, again, takes technology to drive that. And, and as you brought up so eloquently, the importance of making sure there's alignment in the executive suite, which has always had, you know, you look over the last 20 years, they've avoided a lot of, you know, challenging times and done very well. And that sometimes can get a little bit, make you a little bit passive. And it's really, as you said, changing the the mindset, changing the culture and changing in some cases, the back office automation to make it so the organization can actually be digitized. You know, what Mm -hmm. do you see as the biggest challenge in financial services right now with regard to integrating some of these new technologies? Now, you you mentioned them a little bit about the the whole issue of um, the legacy thinking, but what gets in the way of a clean implementation in general when you're looking at new technologies? So there's a, there's a whole regulatory aspect to it, Jim, to begin with. That's, that's very significant because regulators want to ensure that firms are behaving responsibly, uh, that they're building software responsibly, and that that software runs in a way that's reliable uh, and not locked in uh, to specific services in a way that workload can be portable. So we see a ton of regulation, especially in Europe, around that. And we can see some – we can see – Uh, We can see that breaking out um, even more around the world. I think the other issues that I see most of all are that there are so many organizational silos 
uh, in firms that it makes running any kind of innovation very, very complex. So these aren't necessarily technical issues or technology issues, although technology issues clearly help break down silos, uh, but they're more organizational and political. When we can break down those silos, then it comes down to how do we architect for efficiency? How do we uh, architect in such a way that we're not driving some giant 30-year program, but we're delivering value, incremental value quickly so that the ROI cases actually do close. So it's about how do we build for a reimagined experience? How do we ensure that ESG is baked into our products? How do we ensure that our products are resilient and that we take advantage of new modernization approaches like new ways of working, new ways of decision-making, new ways of operating. Those are how I see firms approaching this, Jim. So when you look at all this, you know, technology becomes simply the foundation upon which a lot of other things have to be looked at. And, and those actually drive the success of the technologies more than anything else. You, you know, you, you've written quite a bit and IBM has written quite a bit on the need for new experience and talent that understands future technologies. But more than that, more than a technology person, they have to understand the impact on, as you mentioned, ESG and, and customer experience, things of this nature. How do you envision this war for talent playing out? Or do you see organizations really doubling down on the investment on talent that they already have to make them more well-rounded beyond the technical aspect of what they're doing? It's, it's very hard to speak about that in general terms, Jim, because wherever you are in the world, the talent marketplace is different. Right. I've spent a, a lot of time in Asia Pacific recently, and the market there is very much localized. In the US, it's different, uh, but talent is concentrated for the most part, for the most part, around the large cities. And so firms have to be aware of this. Um, I see a couple of successful approaches playing out. Um, and one of the areas where this is especially important is in the notion of mainframe skills. Mainframe skills are perceived in some senses incorrectly to be old-fashioned. And so it can sometimes be hard to bring new people into that world. We've worked with clients to, to build modernization programs specifically around the talent. And in doing that, we sit, sit very experienced developers alongside very new developers and build cross-pollination of skills in both directions. That goes alongside with a product like the mainframe, being able to run all of that existing code, some of it 50, 60 years old, and code in all of the new programming languages running in containers and microservices. And so it's that, and, and using the new tool chains, the new DevOps tool chains on that platform. So we work through some of these skills and talent and culture issues by really bringing people together and helping them uh, be fulfilled both on existing and new skills. You know, when you look at the, the bringing together of people, I, I'm seeing, I don't know if you're seeing, a whole lot more acceptance of collaboration with third-party providers, even, oh, yeah. even when they have core technology partnerships. Organizations are stepping outside of those to find those partners that can implement a solution uh, 
that is very specific to a need of that organization very quickly and very much on a scalability platform. Are you seeing that as well, where a lot of outside organizations are being brought in to, to make it so that these organizations aren't all building from scratch or asking their core providers to do all the work? Yeah, man, it's a must. In 2023, that's a must. It's a given, right? IBM's all in as part of our ecosystem. We love our clients to work with IBM Consulting. We'll help them work with any and all of their services partners because for them to be successful with IBM technology, they need to be able to do that with their chosen partner. Their chosen partner could be at AWS and uh, Microsoft with Azure as cloud providers. We're all in on those partnerships. It could be with any of the major US-based or international right. services providers. And equally, you, you spoke a little bit about um, uh, ecosystems. Another aspect of that and another area where we get some leverage or acceleration is around the standards-based platforms. Because having standards-based platforms enables a talent pool that's skilled. It also enables substitutable architectural choices. So where I could use one component and potentially have other choices around which component I use if everyone's speaking the same API. And so an example of that, I guess the Swift APIs and ISO, ISO 20022 um, yep. message formats are one example. Another great example in our industry around the buy-in uh, APIs, the banking industry architecture network, and the work that they're doing uh, to uh, standardize and describe the main specific banking functions and the kind of formats and flows of those uh, business operations. Having standards like that adopted across a broad ecosystem of partners absolutely helps all of our clients IBM's clients and our services providers, mutual clients, and our independent software vendors' clients to all come together, work together for the successful outcomes of our banking financial services clients. You know, you know, it's interesting as I look at these collaborations that are going on right now, and I'm, I visited very quite a few financial institutions individually, but also quite a bit at recent conferences. And it's really amazing how some very small, relatively small organizations are able to do amazing things now that that everything is scalable. Everything is is solution-based and organizations are moving forward. You know, we always talked about the the big semi versus the pickup truck as an analogy, but the reality is <laughs> there's some amazing things being done by some of the smallest organizations. And when they talk about the survival of the fittest, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out when a lot of the new innovations are being done at the biggest side because they have the money and at the smallest side because they have the ability to pivot on a dime. And it and it's very exciting to see, at least for me, to see these organizations thinking out of the box. You know, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, John, and it's the elephant in the room. Everybody's chatting or talking about ChatGPT and generative AI. It's interesting because AI was on everybody's mind before this, but it's taken on a whole new perspective as of November 30th of last year. Can you put recent developments a little bit into context for financial institutions? What is the IBM position on the approaches that are possible? And how should bank leaders today be thinking about these new technologies and, and what emerging case studies have you seen? So thank you very much for asking on this one. 
I think we've been working in in AI as IBM since the 1950s uh, and have pioneered much of the scientific research in this space. So I couldn't be more thrilled. I couldn't be more excited that this topic is front and center in, in the public conversation. I think that's amazing. That said, I see businesses being very overwhelmed by this topic. It's a topic in every single CEO suite. And um, I think firms are really unprepared and unsure how to profit from the technology. While everyone's interested, there's great uncertainty. I think there's another side to this also, Jim, which is that like any technology going through very rapid development, it can be hazardous. AI can be very hazardous. We've already seen that in many cases, haven't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely, especially for a business. Um, Developed in the wrong way, we see AI being frivolous and at worst plain dangerous. Uh, It can be wrong and produce toxic results. It can be infused with extreme bias. Um, It's not explainable. And so I'd start by saying there that this just for businesses, while this is incredible consumer level technology and transformative for businesses, there are just too few rules of the road. Now, I see businesses needing AI that's very accurate, predictable, scalable, adaptable, if you can't trust the results of AI, don't do it. Right. Um, the other thing I think is so important here is that a lot of ex- a lot of organisations already have experience with machine learning and AI, but they've really struggled to scale that, and especially uh, scale it quickly across multiple clouds. Um, AI needs to be based on models that can be easily adapted to new use cases and scenarios. And the power of the foundational models in particular are going to push us, push us into a new era of AI for business. Foundational models are pre-trained on massive amounts of data, unlabeled data, which is less expensive to prepare, cuts the costs of training. And these models, once they're built, can be adapted to existing use cases 10 to 100 times faster Uh, than the previous approaches. So we're entering a really exciting phase and firms existentially need to get ready and work with a firm that understands AI in the context of the specific needs of a regulated enterprise. We're one of those firms that can do that. You know, it's interesting, John, because you really look at it, it, ChatGPT and generative AI is, is really directionally an extension upon which financial institutions especially, should have been using AI to begin with. And and we talk about certainly there's a risk and fraud issues, but more importantly, we've been talking about personalization and engagement for quite some time. And what I'm mm. seeing, at least in the marketplace, is organizations have been using AI successfully, but it's been very much within the organization. It c- comes out in great reports. It comes out in great research, things of this nature. But it's that final mile. It's deploying it so the customer feels it. I get frustrated as a consumer knowing what's possible with all the information my financial institution has that they don't talk to me as an individual that they know very well 
but they don't show that they know very well. And I think what we're really going to see at chat with ChatGPT and the next four, the next phase of the AI and with IBM's help is really working on that last mile, making sure the consumer and the small business and the corporation feels the impact of AI and machine learning. Because up till now, there's very few organizations, if any, that are doing a good job of personalizing the experience on my behalf, looking out for me and, and showing empathy. We're talking a good yep. game, but we deploy it terribly, if at all. And and uh, I that's, I think, the organizations that can do that first and best. I mean, I think some of the fintechs have done it, but but it's very much in a in a small box. But when consumers are are exposed to things like Amazon, uh, Hulu, Netflix, all the you know uh, Uber, all these organizations that take the information and make it better for me, that's the expectation the financial institutions are going to be under, and eventually the consumer is going to call them on it, and you know. Oh no question. And and speaking of that, you know, just in the last few days actually, IBM yep. announced the launch of Watson X at its annual climbing, which is extraordinarily exciting. You know, we we all know a little bit about Watson, but Watson X is a is a whole new game. Can you tell us a little bit about what Watson X is and put it into perspective as to how it's going to impact global banking? Thank you, Jim. The Watson X platform enables collaboration on a single workbench to build and refine machine learning and foundational models. That's its purpose. It's going to launch with three product sets. First of all, Watson X.ai, a new generation enterprise studio for AI builders to train, validate, tune, and deploy traditional machine learning and new generative AI capabilities powered by foundation models through an open and intuitive user interface. So the studio is at the core of this. The Watson XAI library is going to include models, open source models, from including Hugging Face, a leader in this space on open, uh, open models, and that's very much in harmony with IBM's ecosystem approach that I outlined earlier. What's the next dot data is a fit-for-purpose data store because we know that uh, clients' data now exists in many, many places across all sorts of services, but most of those services are using a common standard. So whatsnext.data will allow access to those standards-based data repositories and do so in a governed way that is specific for driving AI workloads. Um, and whatsnext governance is the end-to-end -to -end toolkit that will encompass data governance, such as uh, uh, um, data model description and lineage, and AI governance, such as explainability, transparency, and bias. And so these are the new capabilities uh, that uh, IBM's providing in this space. We expect there to be a huge applicability for generative AI and financial services, specifically in the realm of digital labor as one example. Uh, so imagine expressing requests in natural language and having those requests uh, orchestrated and performed through one of those open ecosystems of API services. 
uh, think about the way that contracts or analyzed uh, analysis reports could be summarized by generative AI and think about the kind of contracts uh, and documents that generative AI can create. So those are simple uh, use cases that will be front and center right from the get-go uh, with these new capabilities from Watson X. So um, I may be oversimplifying this a little bit, but IBM partnered with uh, Bank of America on the development of a of a cloud based platform that that took care of a lot of the what I'm going to call the general questions that every institution has to ask when they implement a cloud solution. And you you made it that that partnership made it so that organizations didn't have to go through, you know, eighty percent of the stuff they went through that every organization has to go through that the answers are all the same. Do you see Watson mm-hmm. X being able to do this for banking where you, you mentioned contracts, things of this nature. So much of what the banking world does is consistent across the entire industry, but every institution does it for themselves. Do you see a, a, a whole banking component of Watson X being able to be generated that that answers the general questions faster and easier than ever before? No question about that. Whether I develop, whether IBM develops it, or whether our ecosystem develops it, it doesn't matter. But the language of banking and the processes of banking, the languages of capital markets, the language of insurance can be described and captured in generative models and foundation models, foundation models. So I fully expect to see that. I'd love to see that happen in an open source way so that every institution, you know, we see the industry reinventing wheels all the time. Why do they do that? You know, John, when you talk about Watson X, it, it in my mind, I may be some oversimplifying it. It sounds very much like the collaboration you had with IBM and Bank of America on cloud technology, the development of a, a cloud platform, a cloud solution that financial institutions wouldn't have to rethink, I'm going to call it 80% of what they do when it's always the same for each financial institution, giving organizations the ability to, what I'm going to call, start at the third turn as opposed to doing the entire race. Am I making it oversimplified or is this what Watts Next eventually could do for the banking industry? So let's take this in two parts. First of all, you spoke about the collaboration between IBM and Bank of America a great client of ours. The result of that collaboration was the IBM Cloud for Financial Services. And the the reason why that capability matters is because we took Bank of America's and a broader set of industry requirements around the specific controls needed for a cloud service and packaged that in a standardized way that manifested those controls in a way that's very inherent to our cloud service enables them to be monitored on a continuous and enforced on a continuous basis. And the net benefit of doing so was that um, it becomes much easier and faster, specifically faster, simpler for firms and their ISV partners to onboard onto our cloud service knowing that many of the risk factors have already been managed and taken completely off the table. So that's the result of an industry collaboration with clients. And following Bank of America, other clients came on board and we continue to innovate. If we think about how we do that with Watson X, 
It's about assembling a similar collective of industry stakeholders. And so the most likely area where that would happen, Jim, is around building foundational models specifically as it relates to the industry language and vernacular and business processes. And I couldn't be more excited about the possibility that will deliver because that will foster great reuse and it will prevent this notion of everything being reinvented from scratch every single time. Well, it's interesting because I'll, I'll take the, the GPS systems that we're all familiar with that because of crowdsourcing allows the GPS system to tell us how to get to the destination we want quicker, easier, avoiding detours and, and challenges in the road and taking advantage of shortcuts. This is what What's Next can do for financial services while at the same time standardizing what is legal, what isn't legal, you know, because the compliance and the regulatory environment will be built in because of the crowdsourcing capabilities. And what really is amazing, even when you just go back a couple of years to the the cloud technology you built with IBM, is that this iteration of the innovation is going to happen so much faster. I mean, you look at just yes. what's happened with ChatGPT and you go, you look and you go, you know, what can be possible with Watson X is just so exponentially faster and more scalable yeah. than anything we've ever imagined. There's a key point about this that I feel compelled to make, right? Because it, it speaks to that shift uh, that, that you spoke of. We've come, if we sort of look back in the rearview mirror, um, it was AI was an, a, something that was added to existing applications. So it was um, uh, plus AI, so applications plus AI. The shift that we're seeing for future applications is that the AI is at the heart and that the uh, platform services are the plus. So it's a shift yeah. from AI being an afterthought to AI being the centerpiece of an application. That's a radical Transformative, transformative shift. It's for sure the way that new applications are going to be created. And so I think it represents a, an incredible shift and an incredible opportunity. And the leaders and the innovative, innovators in this space, especially the leading institutions that take advantage of this and gain experience and learn very quickly, they're automatically going to have competitive advantage. You know, it's interesting some private conversations I've had recently and we look at what's going on in the whole AI space and you're a distinguished engineer and you're a technologist. Is the technology right now going so fast that it's very challenging for the technologists to keep up with the pace of change? There's no question about that. Uh, there's no question that it's difficult, but those of us who love uh, doing this, living and breathing it, we're constantly in our books. We're constantly uh, playing with code. We're constantly experimenting. I'm proud of the fact, uh, Jim, just to speak personally for a moment, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm an IBM general manager that still writes code. Uh, because if I become distant from all of this and if I become the person who only ever uses PowerPoint, why do you need me anymore? So I want to stay close. I want to stay close to that technology. Oh, I know that one. You quickly become irrelevant. But it's very interesting because when we look at this, you look at the Watson X capabilities, the, the ability for multiple organizations to help build this and improve upon it at scale and at speed, 
you don't no single person needs to have all the answers. I mean, the potential is enormous and it's so exciting because you've provided a sounding board, a platform and an area of gathering in a virtual world that allows us to have iterative innovation and iterative advances in technology that were not possibly before and and to deploy them. That's going to be the key. You know, we've talked about it before, but it's great to have the capability to do it. But will you have the the organization culture to deploy it in a way that the consumer is going to feel the value add? I think the consumer seeing value from this is at the very heart of it. You spoke earlier uh, about uh, your experiences with firms. I won't name and shame anyone here. I've had a 20-year banking relationship in the U.S., since I arrived, and one of my banks still considers me a student, despite the fact that I've never been a student in the US. Imagine the kind of customer experience that I enjoy as a result of that. So this notion of using AI to take friction out of a customer experience and make it profound and profoundly relevant to the needs of each and every client, that will become hugely important. And it goes beyond uh, the the current approaches that most institutions have been using into a much deeper level of customer understanding. And if you understand your customers really, really well, doesn't matter whether they're consumers or giant businesses, doesn't matter. Every area of banking and financial services will be impacted by this. If you understand your customers really, really well, the way that you can differentiate and the kind of stickiness and value you can build into the relationship will be unstoppable. You know, it's interesting because the risk that currently exists and is happening every day is that consumers, small business, corporations don't have to close their account when they're not happy. They simply go and open a new account someplace else where they feel like an organization understands them better. I've done that with my business account with PayPal. I've done it on my con- consumer account with 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 different organizations, including SoFi and Acorns and Robinhood. And the reality is we've got to stop that silent attrition as, as legacy financial institutions. And the only way to do it is to give a level of experience and of engagement that is different than we've ever seen before. So, John, as we try to wrap this up a little bit, what do organizations have to do today to be prepared for what's going to happen tomorrow? I think I bring this to one fundamental. I think there are a lot of things that firms can do, but I would focus on one thing uh, as being the key change maker right now. I think in my mind, hybrid and hybrid technologies are the key step. I think that most firms at this point have realized that an on-prem only or a public cloud only approach isn't viable going forward. They need to benefit from both. Uh, And so as we think about this, I said earlier, the very, very early on, this is about thinking about why. Why do I need something? Not the what is it, but why do I need it? Why do I need AI to deliver new kinds of customer service? Why do I need hybrid? It's because I want to unlock innovation at an unbridled pace. I want to simplify operations by standardizing. And I want to benefit 
from an open community of contributors and innovators creating a platform and an ecosystem effect. So when I think about why hybrid, it unlocks value, it speeds innovation, and it simplifies delivery and the cost of delivery. When I think about the what of hybrid, it's that combination of open platforms, open standards. Um, It's the combination of fit-for-purpose workloads that can run anywhere. It's consistent security. And hybrid applications always include an approach to data in AI. What's an application without data? What will an application be without AI in the future? So as we think about the technology building blocks, it's essential to do that thinking in the context of embracing new ways of thinking and new ways of working. The architectural context, con- uh, the architectural constructs that underpin the new ways of thinking and working are APIs, microservices, containers, orchestration, DevSecOps, site reliability engineering, AI ops, um, and the future of AI platforms like What's Next. How we run that and how we build applications using application accelerators for automation, data in AI, security, integration, and so on. That's the layer above that. But with the Red Hat portfolio and our cloud packs and Watson X, we're unlocking the future of hybrid for customers and clients today. And doing that across all of the IBM platforms including Z16, the mainframe, but also enabling all of that capability to run in any of the clouds and in any on-prem data center or hosting center or at the edge. So for me, alongside AI, hybrid technologies are the biggest um, key to unlocking value. They really unlock value in a transformative way. One example, if we think of a monolithic bank or a monolithic firm using the old ways of working, Jim, they might release a banking platform twice a year, four times a year, maybe even 12 times a year. That's not innovation at the speed of thought, right? I can think of institutions that release 200 changes a day. Why are they doing that? Because they're using hybrid techniques and tools, hybrid architecture. Those firms that can do 200 times a day, even, you know, sometimes firms say to me, but John, I don't need 200 times a day, right? And I say, I know, but you surely need more than 12 times a year. So how are you going to unlock that? So I think that's the compelling example for me and being able to innovate at speed at will, but also doing that in a way where my costs aren't exploding and that my access to skills, talent, uh, and a new culture, new ways of working, new ways of decision-making, new AI capabilities are all inherently available to me. That's so exciting for me as a technologist and a business person working in financial services. You know, it's interesting, John, to wrap this up is that you said it so well, and it's sticking in my mind, is that at the end of the day, I don't want to build banking the way the bank across the street built banking or the way that some of the biggest banks in the country or world build banking, or the smallest financial institutions build banking. The first thing I have to do is understand my why. And you said it so well, because as I think about the why, 
that can't be a PR term. It's got to be something you live to. And, it, and if you understand your mm-hmm. why really well, then you won't get completely overwhelmed by the massive new technologies that are out there because you'll be using those technologies to solve for your why as opposed to the whys of everybody else's out there. You know, And again, with, with AI and with the technology out there, with hybrid cloud, with blockchain and everything else that's going on, you can solve for a very specific why. And those organizations that are doing that are being very successful today because they stick to what they believe in as opposed to trying to be everything. And, you know, we have the ability to not only to serve individual customers, but companies like IBM and others have the ability to, to serve individual finance institutions that have maybe a potentially vastly different objective and mission than the bank next door. Um, John, this yeah. has been a treat. Um, your enthusiasm for the industry, your enthusiasm for technology, your knowledge of what IBM brings to the table and how IBM can collaborate with other organizations to make them and you better in the new what's next world is extraordinarily exciting. And I can guarantee you, I got to get a promise from you. I want you on the show again. No problem. I'm anytime, Jim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to give us a review on your favorite podcast app. In addition, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslitz, audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, emerging technologies are continuing to pave the way for a better customer-centric revolution in banking. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.